Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. On Wednesday night, I I sort of tried to get into... uh, uh, what I want to minister this morning and, and uh, just the Lord led a different direction. But we've been talking, hold your place there and go with me then to First uh, Timothy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I tell you, God is so good. God is so good. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Trying to find the verse I'm looking for. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 3, yeah, 16. I have scriptures underlined, and the ones I don't underline, I don't look at. (laughs) Just scan over them. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Verse 16 says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Well, you know the God he's talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He is God. Amen. Well, it says that the mystery of godliness is, is, uh, is great. And describes these different things in, in the mystery of godliness. And, and one of them says that he was justified in the spirit. We've been talking about our union with Christ. And how that he became one with us uh, in the new birth. And we became one with him in his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. In his sufferings, in his being made alive and being raised from the dead. But it's interesting here it says that God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Well, why in the world would God need to be justified? That word justified means to be made righteous. God was manifested in the flesh, made righteous in the spirit. Well, why would Jesus have to be made righteous? He was righteous. So we we talked about the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, that he suffered spiritual death on the cross. Now, spiritual death is not like natural death. Natural death, when, when uh, the Bible says that, that the body without the spirit is dead. When a, when, a, when a human being's spirit leaves his body, his body will die instantly. Without the body, without the spirit, the body is dead. Well, without the life of God, the spirit of man is dead. Now, spiritual death isn't like natural death in that all, all consciousness ceases and everything function, all functions cease and it just, it, it's, 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 uh, there's nothing, no, no consciousness in it. Spirits are eternal creatures. And every man, woman that's ever been born were, were, were human spirits. We are spirits. We have a soul. And our spirit and soul live inside of our body. Well, a spirit, because it's eternal, they're like the angels, like God himself, can never die. They have to exist somewhere and be conscious somewhere for eternity. Spiritual death is simply the separation of the life of God, the loss of the life of God. Separation from God is spiritual death. And uh, in the Garden of Eden, you know, uh, God told Adam, he said, and even the day that you eat the fruit thereof, you will die. 
And they died spiritually that day. Though they lived 900, Adam lived 935 years. On that day, he was separated. And we can see that when, the, when God came down in the cool of the day to visit with Adam, Adam hid himself from the presence of the Lord because of shame and guilt and com- condemnation. He was separated. He was cut off from the life of God. Well, when, when uh, uh, we uh, sin, because of our sin, when we each, when we each one ha- reached the age of accountability, whatever age that might be, when we as children became aware of moral right and wrong, right and wrong in the terms of God's holiness and righteousness. When that consciousness and that awareness came and we violated it, and all of us did, then spiritual death uh, happened to us. The life of God left us and we were devoid of, of his life. Well, Jesus on the cross suffered the same thing. When he was made sin, the, the, the life of God the, the, and the knowledge of God left him and he had always referred to his father, God, as father. Now, he spoke about God. He used the word God. But when he prayed, when he talked to God, it was always my father. And he talked uh, his followers to pray, didn't he? Pray this way. My father, our father who is in heaven. Well, on the cross, Jesus, after, after hanging there uh, in, in that afternoon, when, when sin when he was made sin, he suddenly cried out, my God, my, not father, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because in that hour, he was separated from God, the father, and God had to turn his back on him because God could not uh, fellowship with and have any communion with sin. And he became sin on the cross. That's why he had to be justified. He had to be made righteous. So we were, we were talking about those things. And, and uh, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is kind of what I want to, this is, isn't really my message for today, but I want to take what I was going to talk about Wednesday night and sort of, of uh, then move from there. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says that, uh, verse 20 says, Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have died. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. In other words, since by Adam, that's the man who's referring to there, came death, by man, capital M, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, if you read this passage, it's taught, primarily it's talking about the resurrection. So it's talking about when believers are made alive, just like in Adam all die in Christ, there will be a resurrection. All will be made alive. And somebody has said, well, there, they take, you know, people take verses out of context. Just take one portion. Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. And based on that and, and kind of, uh, uh, threading some other verses out of their context in the Bible, people have come to come up with this notion that everybody's ultimately going to be saved. You know, just because God, you know, he's a loving God and everybody's going to make it because it says in Adam all shall be made alive. I mean, in Christ all shall be made alive. Problem is not all are in Christ. You have to be in Christ to be made alive. Amen. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall, all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of, to, to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule, all authority, and all power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. 
Now, if we go on down in this passage, let's, let's drop down to, uh, let's go down to verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The first, notice it refers to Adam as the first Adam, but it refers to Jesus as the last Adam. Now, in the uh, in, in verse 47, it refers to the first man and then it refers to Jesus as the second man. Jesus is the second man, but he's the first, he's the last Adam. It's not the second Adam because if there was a first Adam and a second Adam, you could expect a third Adam. But there was a first Adam, Jesus was the last Adam. Then he was the second man. And what that's telling us is that just like Adam became the head of a race of men, all human beings on the earth have descended from Adam. We all came from Adam. So in that sense, in the natural realm, we are of Adam. We're in Adam. So we were all part of the Adams family, okay? And they are a weird group of people. They're all over the world. They're just strange, right? But uh, we all shared that, uh, that genealogy. But uh, it says that this last Adam became a life giving spirit. That doesn't just happen at the resurrection. That happens at the new birth because life, the life of God is imparted to our spirits when we're born again. The life of God is imparted to, to a human spirit when he's saved. When he, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, eternal life, he receives eternal life. Well, eternal life is the life of God. And that life coming into to a man's spirit uh, 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 recreates him. Well, when Jesus was, was uh, when he was made alive in spirit, when he was made alive in, in that place of suffering after he died on the cross and went to a place of suffering, a pl- the, the, the place where the ungodly went, he went in, let me hold that. Realize I was holding on to it. <laughs> he went to the place where the ungodly go because he went there in our place. So Jesus went to hell. In Ephesians, it talks about the fact that uh, uh, having ascended, the one who ascended first descended. This is in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. He first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Well, he, his body, that couldn't be talking about his body because his body was just put in a tomb. I mean, that could hardly be described as the lowest parts of the earth. No, his spirit went into the lowest parts of, earth, of the earth. And then in Acts chapter two, it says that God did not leave his spirit in hell, that he raised him up. <clears throat> when he was made alive in spirit, we were made alive with him. We were made alive with him, not a with him, with him. <clears throat> So the first Adam became a living being. This last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the, natu- the spirit is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. That, that, that natural man that was first was the man Adam. The first man was of the earth, natural, of the dust. The second man and the last Adam is the Lord from heaven And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Now this this next verse gives us something really great to look forward to. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, 
we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen after we are uh, quickened and we are uh, uh, called away with, to be with the Lord. John put it this way. He says, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we will be like he is. We'll see him as he is and we'll be like him. So there's a change coming after we are, are called away to be with the Lord. But in the meantime, we're, our spirits are alive. Well, Adam was the, was the head of, of the race of human beings. And, and in the natural, we are still part of that. But our inward man was changed. When we were born again, uh, we, we became what the Bible calls here in, in, uh, well, in 2 Corinthians, a new creation. If any man is in union with Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Well, that couldn't be talking about natural things because then all the natural things didn't pass away. If you had a big nose before you got born again, you still have a big nose. Isn't that right? Hey, man. So the outward man didn't change. That has to be referring to the inward man. All of the inward man, all the things that existed in your, in your spirit nature that was separated from God, all the sins you committed, all of the, of the wrongs that you ever committed, everything you ever did wrong, and also everything that anyone ever did to you wrong. All of the pain. And this is what people, if they can get a hold of this, it'll set them free. It'll set you free. All of your past, all that you experienced, passed away. It died. And, and the Bible says you were made anew, recreated. A, a, a new person came into existence. So if you have memories of the past that haunt you, people did you wrong. Maybe you had you know, a parent that mistreated you or other people that mistreated you. You grew up and people took advantage of you and mocked you or bullied you or whatever. Those things that tend to scar people emotionally. If you could realize that when you became a new creature in Christ... All of that went away. That everything about your, your old man died on the cross and a brand new person. Now, the new man lives in the same old body, but he's not related to the old man. You are not even related to the person you used to be. You're not even cousins. You're not, you're not, there's nothing about you that's similar to the old man. The old you. Oh, that's a liberating truth. Glory yeah. to God. And if you, can, if you can see that and let that get down on the inside of you and feed on it until you, until you understand the significance of that, it will absolutely set you free from your past. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Now, uh, go with me to Colossians. Colossians, and let's look at verse number, chapter 1, and let's look at verse number 18. This is speaking, if you go back and read the previous verses, it's talking about Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. But when Jesus is described here as being the firstborn from the dead, well, how was he the firstborn from the dead? Well, when he was resurrected and, and life came into him in his spirit and he was made 
alive unto God, then God raised him from the dead in both of those senses. In his spirit nature and in his flesh, he is the firstborn from the dead. Well, if there's a first, firstborn, then there, that indicates that there are more to follow. He, isn't that right? He's the firstborn from the dead. And then let's go over and, and see the same expression over in Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Do you like looking at scriptures? Or is it, yeah, it's good for you. Amen. Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to God his Father, and uh, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. So again, he's called the firstborn from the dead. So when Jesus was made alive in spirit, he, he came back from the dead spiritually. That same thing has happened to us. When we received Christ, when we were born again, we came back from spiritual death. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but we were made alive with him and we came and, and we and, and and we were reborn. That's what the new birth is, to be born again. Jesus was the first born again person. I'm gonna say it again. Jesus Christ was the first born again person. So, well, I don't understand that. Well, again, Jesus had to bear the sins of humanity. And when he did that, he, he was cut off and separated from God. And like the scripture we read in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he, 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 he had to be justified, made righteous in spirit. So Jesus was born again, and, and he became the firstborn, the firstborn again man. Now, in, in the resurrection, he will also be the firstborn from the, from the dead physically, and we will all be resurrected in that sense. But in the spiritual sense, it's already, it's already happened. Amen? Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Are you out there today? I can see you. I believe it. Romans 8. Hallelujah. Verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, the Son, now notice, might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, the Bible says that, that Jesus is not, a, is not ashamed to call us brethren. We're his brethren. He's the firstborn among three brethren, a hundred brethren, among many brethren, there have been millions and millions and millions of people that have been born again, received the very life that Jesus received, and, and he's the firstborn among many. Amen? And then uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter uh, 12. Hebrews 12. And let's look at... It's good to start in verse 18, but we're going to go down to verse... Uh, 23, but let's start in verse 18. He's talking to the church and he says, you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackest, blackness and darkness and tempest. He's talking about the, the mount where Moses received the law and, uh, and delivered it to the people. And, and he said, that's, that's, not, that's not the mountain you've come to. And he described it on, he went further and he said, the sound of a trumpet 
the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot through with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. A lot of people today want to get excited about Old Testament things. They want to base their Christianity on Old Testament types and, and, and uh, observances and rituals and so forth. Listen, we, 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 that's not the mountain we've come to. Amen. He said, no, that's not what you've come to. Verse 22 says, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable, innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Oh, hallelujah. Who are registered. You know, you're registered in heaven. It's a good thing to be registered. Where are you registered, Kat? Are you registered at, 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 at Target? That's a good thing. But we're registered in heaven, praise God. Oh, glory to God. Registered in heaven to God, the just of all, the just, the judge of all, to the spirits of just righteous men made perfect. I don't know uh, uh, how you relate to things, but when I read certain scriptures, they just go off real big on the inside of me. I love it when it says, we have come to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. That'd be a good name for a church. The church of the firstborn, because he's the firstborn among many brethren, and we're the brethren who were, who were born after him. Glory to God. Received his same nature, his same life, his same character, oh, his same destiny, his same reward. Everything that he has is ours. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. So now I want to get into my morning message today. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, I'll tell you, glory to God. <laughs> Paul prayed a prayer here in Ephesians 1 that uh, we need to pray for ourselves. And uh, let's, let's just read this prayer in verse, starting in verse 15. He says, Therefore I also, I, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints. Now he was writing to the church at Ephesus. Well, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for all men. Amen? So what, what Paul wrote to to the church of Ephesus applies to the church in High Springs. It applies to this local church. And uh, he said, and so if, if Paul prayed this prayer for the, for the Ephesians, he would pray it for the High Springians. Isn't that right? Amen. He, would play, he would pray it for, for the Impactians. Amen. It, it applies to us. He said, uh, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And, and uh, then he tells us three things that we need revelation on. But before I get to those three things, let me just point out that he said we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We need the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. There are things, the things that follow in this, in, in this prayer, the three things he identified, 
You cannot understand without the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to receive revelation? See, some people blister, bluster up a little bit, you know, and get, you know, kind of uh, offended when we talk about receiving uh, uh, revelation. We're not talking about revelation in addition to the word of God. We're talking about things that are in the Bible, have always been in the Bible since it was penned, and, and we just now understand it and see it. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation working. Now, that's different than people who receive quote-unquote revelations that are not in the Bible. Now, they might, they might, like I said earlier, they might weave together some scriptures out of their context, you know, and make some kind of a doctrine, some kind of a teaching. But I, and, I, and I hear it a lot. I said, I hear it a lot. People teach and minister topical messages. They have an idea, a concept that they got, you know, from wherever they got it. And they, and they say, well, I'm going to preach on this particular idea that sounds good. And they go through and they pick out scriptures and they, usually not many, but they pick out one or two scriptures that if you didn't hear that message and you just read that scripture, nothing in that scripture would make you think of what they're talking about. They just kind of loosely tie an, a concept, you know, and weave it together. That's not, that's not in the Bible. They're using Bible, but it's not in the Bible. So when we're talking about revelation, we're not talking about things that are outside the Bible, especially uh, anything that's contrary to the Bible. You know, the Mormon church, Joseph Smith says that he, you know, he saw an angel that appeared to him and, and gave him a book, the Book of Mormon. And they, they, they advocate reading the Book of Mormon right, in, right next to the Bible. And you can't understand the Book of Mormon without the Book of, without the, can't understand the Bible without the Book of Mormon. Oh, that's not true. That's contrary to the Bible. That's teaching that is contrary in addition to the Bible. Well, we all have enough sense to understand that's, that's not right. Well, any kind of teaching that comes that people uh, promote, if, it's, if that truth is not actually found in the Bible as that truth, not, not just some imaginary connection to a verse, if that truth isn't found in the Bible, then it's not right. So we're talking about truth that's that's in the Bible, but we don't yet understand. We have to have our, the, the eyes of our understanding. That's our spiritual understanding. We have to be enlightened by the Spirit. Amen. I, I, I remember, you know, we talked sometimes about the revelations that, that came to Kenneth Hagin. And, uh, you know, these were things that, that were in the Bible, but he didn't see them. And most of the church world didn't see them. I know when I first started reading his material, I had been raised in church and I was backslidden from the age of about 14 till, I, till 20 years of age. And when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I, uh, you know, I remembered all of the scriptures and, and Bible lessons that I had been taught. I had never, never understood the message of faith. It, that, that message just wasn't there. But then once you see it in the Bible, it's all over the Bible. Brother Hagin said one time, you know, when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus is talking to him in a vision and he said a, a, an evil spirit came up between him and Jesus and kind of threw up the smoke screen and he couldn't see Jesus and then, and then this evil spirit, this little demon started making all of this noise. He described it as yakety, yakety, yak, yakety, yakety, yak. He just started making this noise. Brother Hagin said, while, while this demon spirit is making this noise, he said he could still hear Jesus talking, but he couldn't make out what he was saying. 
So Jesus is still talking to him, giving him instruction, and he can't hear what he's saying. And, it, and, it, and it, he became very anxious because he, he figured if Jesus was talking, he needed to know what he was saying. Jesus appeared to him to bring him some information, and he can't hear him. And so it, it, the thought came into his mind, well, why doesn't Jesus stop this? Why doesn't he, you know, throw this evil spirit out, shut him, you know, shut him up? And, and, and that didn't happen. Jesus just kept on talking and the evil spirit just kept on yakety, yakety, yak and Brother Hagin couldn't hear. And out of desperation, he was led by the spirit, didn't even know he was led by the spirit. Just out of desperation, he said, in the name of Jesus, shut up. He said that evil spirit just hit the floor like a sack of salt, just collapsed in the floor. The, the mist disappeared and Jesus is still talking. And Jesus said to him, if you hadn't done that, I couldn't have. And you remember the story, many of you who read it, Brother Aiken said, I, 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 mis I misunderstood you, certainly. You didn't say if I hadn't done that, you couldn't have. You said you wouldn't have. Said Jesus said, no. I said if you hadn't done that, I couldn't have. Brother Hagin said, I know I'm hearing things. I, I must be hearing things. You certainly could not have said that if I hadn't done that, you couldn't have. You said you wouldn't have, didn't you? And Jesus said more emphatically, no, I said, if you hadn't done that, I couldn't have. Brother Hagin said he pulled his ears and he said, I, I know I'm hearing things. What is wrong with me? Jesus, you, you didn't say, if I hadn't done that, you couldn't have. You said, if I hadn't done that, you wouldn't have. He said, Jesus got real stern with him. And said, no, I said, if you hadn't done that, I couldn't have. Brother Hagin said, well, Lord, that just beats anything I've ever heard. And uh, he said, I, he said, I, I, I don't, he said, I know you're, G I believe you're standing in front of me. I know you're Jesus. But he said, I'm not even going to believe you if you can't prove that by the Bible. He said, I've got to have Bible for that. That's pretty good. And see, Jesus didn't get offended with that because he wants us to base everything we believe on his word. Brother Hagin said, the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, that is Bible witnesses, let every word be established. He said, so I want three Bible witnesses. In other words, three passages that tell me that very thing. And he said, and I want them all from the New Testament. I don't want any Old Testament. I want three witnesses from the New Testament. He said, Jesus, instead of getting mad with him, Jesus smiled and said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four. <laughs> and he gave him four different passages, which I'm not going to go into today. Gave him four different passages that illustrate and teach that very thing. In fact, he, he actually gave him five because he pointed out the fact that in, he said, you remember when I was in Nazareth? Nazareth and, and, and Naz, Nazareth. Yes, Nazareth. 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 He said when he was in Nazareth that uh, it, it, the Bible says that, you know, he, the people got offended because they said, well, this is his hometown. They said, who is this Jesus? It, it, this is the carpenter's son and his brothers and sisters are here. And he grew, how can he have all of these great things to say and all these miracles? And they were offended. And the Bible says that Jesus there in Nazareth could not do any mighty works except he laid his hands on a few sickly people, not serious conditions, just a few minor ailments and healed them and he marveled at their unbelief. And it says he there could not do 
So there was something there that Jesus couldn't do because of the people. So anyway, uh, that's an illustration of getting revelation that you didn't know, but it's in the Bible. Well, in order to understand our union with Christ, to understand the things that belong to us, you have to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God or else you won't get it. It's not naturally understanding something. You can sit in, you say, well, pastor, you teach on this a lot. I know because I'm I'm wanting people to get it. I know not everybody gets it. You can hear it and you can mentally even be able to repeat it, but not get it. How many of you have ever been talking, maybe maybe your spouse is trying to explain something to you and and you, you get it, you know what they're saying. But you're not getting it. You ever been there? Stephen never has. We're going to give an altar call for liars at the end. Stephen will be the first one up. And then, and then all of a sudden, you get it. Well, your spouse already had it. They had revelation you didn't have. Well, but they already knew it. You just found out about it. Well, there's revelation in the Bible that we don't have. And you might think you have, but the, when, when revelation or, or enlightenment, he says the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, when that happens, it's sort of like that truth or that knowledge just sort of suddenly goes off on the inside of you and you see the, not only what it means, but the potential, what it does for you, how it works and what it'll accomplish in your life. It, 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 it's, it just goes off like a bomb on the inside of you. That's what the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, they were walking with Jesus and he, he didn't reveal himself at first until after he got with them, you know, and suddenly he, he revealed himself. They said later that to one another, they said, didn't our spirits burn within us when he talked with us along the way? It, something was going on and suddenly, glory to God, he made himself known. Oh, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation, church. We have to have more than just natural understanding. We have to have the the reality and the things of God revealed to our hearts. Amen. It's not just natural. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, he said here, he prayed that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of it. Well, if, if, if the church at Ephesus needed that, you figure we need that? Would you think we would need that? If, if, if the church of, at Ephesus didn't have it, then that means that there are Christians, you can be a Christian and not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Otherwise, why did he pray for it? This was something that they, they were born again. They were spirit-filled. It was a good church. It wasn't perfect, but it was a good church. There were good people in it. And they did not have this spirit of wisdom and revelation. Is it possible for, for Christians today to not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation? You see it all the time. You see people that are just seem to be blind to certain truths that are just obvious in the scriptures. I mean, they're just spelled out in black and white. And they just don't see it. Well, I won't go into any examples. I'll just go on a little further here. Uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. Now, there's three things here that he identifies that we need to have the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation on, that we need enlightenment. 
Enlightenment in, in our spirit. Number one, we need to be enlightened concerning what is the hope of his calling. Number two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Those are things, church, that in these last days, the body of Christ must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We must know these things. Not just mentally as doctrine. We have to know them in reality. We have to have them uh, alive in us. And we need to be walking in these things. Because our actions really reveal what we know. And what we believe. And how much we understand. People can say they understand uh, certain things. But if they're not living those things. How could they really understand them? Amen. People, people understand up here that they ought to live right. I'm talking about Christians. But they don't live right. They live in sin. <laughs> All types of, of, of things that they know they ought not to be doing. They can tell you. I, I know. But it's not alive in them. Amen. Hallelujah. What is the... Ex- wow. The time, the time, the time. Hallelujah. Well, let's, let's just look at this one part. What is the exceeding... We'll, we'll get to all three of them, but let's look at verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? God's power is directed toward us. But notice, it's us who believe. There is power directed to those of us who believe that's not directed to people who don't believe. There's power toward us. That doesn't mean we, we have it or that we're, better way to say it, doesn't mean that, we've, that, we've, that we're operating in it, that we've understood it and laid hold of it, but it's available to us, it's directed to us, it is ours, But it's power that people of that other race, (laughs) the the human race that are outside of Christ, that power is not directed to them. Now, there is power directed to them. They can be born again. The gospel can be preached and faith will come. But there is power directed to the church, available to the church that only belongs, he said right here, to those who believe. That puts such a premium on faith. Put such a premium on faith. There's power directed to people who will believe in it. Not just born again people, but even, even some born again people don't believe in the power. Well, that power can't reach them. It's only made available to those who believe. But in order to fully cooperate with that, we need revelation. We need the enlightenment. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How great is this power? What is the exceeding great? When, when Paul, he, he has a, a habit, if you read his epistles, he has a habit of using certain adjectives. And you get the sense that, that he's reaching the maximum 
of language that he can express something that is so noble, something that is so beyond description. And so this is one of those occasions. Uh, He said, what is the exceeding greatness of his power directed toward us who believe? Church, there is so much power There's so much power, power that we don't yet, none of us have yet fully received enlightenment. Because if we did, life would be different. We need, we believe with all all, uh, evidence shows that we are the terminal generation of the church. We are the end on this earth. I mean, before Jesus returns. This this is the last days. Well, there is power available to us that we haven't tapped into yet because if we had, we would be different. I mean, if Jesus comes back now and catches us all away, the first thing I'm going to ask him when I get in his presence, I'm going to look back to, to, to the last few years and say, are you kidding? That was it. That was the big pop. That was the big revival that you've talked about? That was the, 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 the great outpouring? Are you kidding me? As, as good as, uh, as it has been and as much as God's done, uh, something on the inside of me tells me that this isn't everything. What, no, the truth is the truth. The gospel is the gospel. The word of God is the word of God. We don't need any more of that. But our knowledge of it, our, our ability to walk in it, to experience it, to see God in demonstration... Surely this isn't all. There's got to be more. Well, there is. There's power directed to us. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ must receive this spirit of wisdom and, and, and you can get it by asking for it. That's the thing. You can, because he prayed. Paul didn't, he didn't wave a wand. He didn't go through all kind of incantations. He just said, Father, I ask you to give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That must be all it takes. I said, that must be all it takes is just asking. Amen. Oh, I'll tell you, glory to God. Get in the habit of asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Amen. That we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power directed toward us who believe. And it's according to the working then again, in the Greek, the working of his mighty power is all three words are different words for power. The, the, the active working, the active uh, uh, participation of his mighty strength is what that says. That, that, it's, that this power that's directed toward us, other translations say, is the same as the working of his mighty power which you worked in Christ. It's the same as. Another translation says, as that we might uh, uh, understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty power when he raised Jesus from the dead. Think about the power. Think about the power that, that was released. That, think about the power that God worked when he raised Jesus from the dead. Not, not that it was a difficult thing to do. With God, it's not difficult. He's God. 
but such a, because power, <laughs> power is inherent in God. But this was a, a dramatic strength, uh, uh, knowledge defying, uh, def- defying, understanding defying. This was just a demonstration of God's power that, that you can't even, ex- you can't even understand completely. That's the power he used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's the power that raised him from the dead that is directed toward you. So what does that mean? What's the effect? Is that just a good thing to know? Well, I'm glad I know that. No. Well, how would that affect your life? If you you could access that power, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if you could, if you could, Act on that and see that power sort of explode in your life? Would it be different? (laughs) Oh my goodness. God wants his church. Now I hesitate to say it this way, but I'm going to say it. God wants his church to be made up of supermen and superwomen. Now don't come to church with a big S on your (laughs) shirt. Because you probably got a shirt like that. <laughs> if you've been in his office, he's got all kinds of superheroes in there. He likes to collect that stuff. God wants his church to be made up of supermen and superwomen in the spirit. Power men, power women. Glory to God. Now, before Jesus comes back, Will his plan be accomplished? Will it be accomplished? Or will he fail? Will he just one day just give up and just say, you know, Father, they're not going to make it. Let's get this over. Let's just wrap this thing up. Let's just take what we can get. (laughs) Something tells me Jesus isn't going to go along with that. I don't think God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are sitting on the throne figuring out what to do with this crowd now. They're obviously not going to get it. We've tried for years and years and years and years. Let's just, let's just cut our losses <laughs> and come on back and bring them, these miserable creeps home. <laughs> these little spineless, weak, dumb, spiritually dense, disobedient, cowardly Christians. Just bring them on home. <laughs> He's waiting. He's waiting. God intends for us to come to this place of fullness. To we come to the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. He's not talking about you as an individual being perfect. The, the man being the church. We might come to, the, to, to, to a perfect man. Glory to God. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. We have to have it have to have it. We have to have it. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, I didn't get very far, but uh, I think the Spirit's working because we it's, it's stirring us. It's stirring me up. I was already stirred up and stirred up more when I'm hearing it. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. Well, praise the Lord. We'll, uh, we'll pick it up next time and we'll go further. By the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm just tired of ordinary Christianity. 
And, and don't misunderstand me about what I'm about to say. We have great services. And you are, are a wonderful congregation. Buttering you up now. Not really. You, you really are a wonderful com- congregation. You're hungry for the things of God. Uh, I don't think, because we don't go anywhere else, most of you don't go anywhere else, you don't really realize what the, the grace that's been poured out on this congregation. It's really astonishing. Because Pastor Ansel and I, we go other churches. And uh, not only that, even more significantly, other past or other ministers come here and they tell us that. So, you know, we're not just patting ourselves on the back, but right at the same time, I, I don't want you to think I'm scolding anybody because what, what God's done here has, has been amazing. But I'm not satisfied because I, I've tasted a little bit. And you have too. You've, I know all of you are shaking your head. You've tasted a little bit of that glory. You've tasted that power. You know there's more. You know there's more. He wants us to have it. I want us to have it. Glory to God. Now, for what? So we can just be powerful? No, that we can be the church. That we can be the church that we're supposed to be. That we can have all of God's working that should be working in us. Working in us and through us that we can be the witness. That we can be the people. It's not about just puffing ourselves up with knowledge. It's not about just, ooh, look how powerful I am. Ooh, you're powerful today. I'm more powerful than you. No. No. We want God at work through us. Unlimited. Unlimited. Unhindered. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. If you would, please. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we pray that you would give us each one of us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Father, we need that enlightenment. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to take us, Lord, beyond where we are, to take us further in your plan Lord, it's not just some kind of kind of uh, just seeking after power for power's sake or just something that we can glory in. Father, for your plan to be fulfilled, for your plan, for your purpose in our lives to be accomplished, we have to have more, greater understanding. It's not, it's not that we need more power, we just need more understanding of it so that we can operate in it. Because nothing, you're not withholding power from us. You're not withholding anything. You're waiting on us. You're waiting on us to, to reach for that knowledge, that understanding and, and spiritual understanding so that we can cooperate with the power that's available. It's pointed right at us. It's directed right at us, Lord. It's pointed right at us. And we, we access a little of it because we have a little understanding, a little revelation. And that that we understand, we access and we see your power working. But, oh, Father, in our hearts, we know there's more. We know there's more for your glory, not for our glory, 
Not that we could be somebody. Not that we could have a reputation. We want your reputation to be built. We want Jesus' reputation to be exalted. We want people to see Jesus when they see us. And when Jesus was here in the flesh, people marveled at him. They were astonished at him. Some hated him and opposed him. Father, we know to have your glory in full manifestation, there will be those who hate us, oppose us, try to kill us, do everything they can to stop us. They did that to Jesus. They'll do it to us. But Father, we, we want to walk like he walked. We want to walk and talk like he walked. We want to do the same works he did and the same power that he did them in. That Jesus would be magnified. Because we will not take any glory to ourselves. We will not take any acclaim. We will not let people speak of us highly, build us up, promote us, recognize us. We will give all, in every occasion, we will give all glory and honor to the only one who deserves it. The Lord Jesus. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.